Jack Sports Show. We're on live 8 to 10 a.m. Thursday through Sunday, live on Roku, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and a bunch of other places later. And I'm your host, Mac, with your co-host, legendary Hall of Fame boxing writer, Jack Hirsch. Uh, we're going to be bringing you a lot of information today on our Friday show, as we have on Byron Williams, our NFL analyst. We'll be having on Keith Angle, TGI Sports Talk host, covering the Knicks the Yankees, and uh, anything else I can think of on the, on the way. Um, some news on the next front today. Um, also, the Philly sports guy will be with us, Pags, talking about Philly sports and things around the NFL, things he's doing uh, as the Philly sports guy. Like, he's going to go to batting practice uh, for the Phillies today. So uh, that'll be interesting. He'll be he'll be going live from, from, Philadelphia, from Philadelphia's ballpark there. So he does that once in a while as the Phillies let him in. Good morning, Jack. Good morning, Mac. I'm glad you gave that information because at our production meeting, all we were doing was arguing seafood versus Italian food. I mean, right. we, should, we should have been going over this stuff beforehand, the agenda, you know, certain notes and certain things. But, okay, I'm glad I'm getting this information the same time as all the viewers. Well, like I said, Jack, in the past, I love it when you're fresh and you're coming off the cuff because that's when you're at your best for the show. Anyway. So let's start it off with Marion Barber uh, found uh, passed away. I think it was yesterday, the day before Jack Bill yeah. Parcell said he is one. He's close to the perfect player. He ever coached ran hard block, caught the ball in the backfield. Uh, uh, you. Well, I and Jim Jeff Cole, uh, and Byron talked about him on J&B talking, uh, uh, talking Shop on YouTube channel anyway. And, uh, you know, Marion Barber is one of those, we've talked about before, players that we really don't talk about too much uh, as really good players for a short time. You know, people that, we, that we've watched over the years. And, you know, I, I wanted to get your thoughts, Jack. Some people say it's because of uh, mental issues. Some people say it's because of, you know, the concussion issues. I mean, is it is it just because of the way society is today? Society is not what it used to be. We're not physically, you know, they call us social media. I think I call it the anti-social media that we belong to today. Where we're texting and we're messaging and we're not, we're not actually going over anywhere, calling somebody on the phone anymore, or we're not visiting uh, like we used to in the past, because we can do this, right? We can, we, we, can, we can just make it easy on ourselves. I think that's a problem, too. I think loneliness, you can add that to part of the problem of today. And a lot of people that were very famous for a short time, Jack. Mac, I mean, it just seems we live in a society that looks to tear one another down. And for all we know, uh, I can 
before we know, you know, we could dig up something from the second grade. From the second grade, when we went to school, we said something, we wrote something in the composition that would be offensive all these years later, and someone's going to want to come out with it. It's kind of like absurd. We see these certain talk shows where people go to YouTube and they see a show from 25 years ago where the host said something when no one gave it a second thought when they watched the show and now they dig it out and it's a headline. Yes, and, and they have to kind of explain themselves. It, you know, in the case of Marion Barber, like to be specific, I just want to uh, say something since you invoked the name of Bill Parcells, who had coached them. Uh, Bill Parcells' favorite boxer was a fighter named Emil Griffith, a great fighter. And they said about Emil Griffith, and this applies to Marion Barber, he did nothing great, but he did everything well. That's right. the type of guy you want on your team. He ran the ball well up the middle. He ran on the sweeps well. He blocked well. He caught the ball out of the backfield well. You know, he... He's the type of guy you would have wanted on your team. The disturbing part about this, Mac, he's 38 years old. Right. If he was, you know, 68 years old, you might feel, well, he maybe took a lot of hits going up the middle and it caught up to him years later. But at 38 years old, I mean, I haven't seen anything about an autopsy done on him. People are making assumptions. Right. Uh, reportedly, he had some issues leading up to this so it wasn't sudden sudden because des bryant had posted something from what i saw like about a year ago claiming marion barber's having some difficulties and uh you know i mean it's sad one way or another i mean if we could find out the cause of his death and it could help someone else going forward you know the reasons fine but to, but to dig up things that would diminish the legacy of Marion Barber and wouldn't help anyone else going forward as far as the reasons and there couldn't be any lessons learned, if there are any lessons to be learned, right, right. doesn't do any good. And I, you I know, do. I just want to remember Marion Barber, you know, uh, people should remember him, fans of his, family of his in a very positive light. Agree. And we'll have Byron on to talk about it. He knew him and Jim knew him personally in the family person. We'll talk to him a little bit about that. So let's talk about the NBA real quick. Celtics come back in the fourth quarter, outscoring the Warriors 40 to 16, Jack. And as I predicted uh, before that happened, whoever wins, the all these experts and all, oh, my God, the Warriors better start being nervous and worried and all Listen, we overreact to everything. The Celtics played really well and defense and offense like they're known to do in the fourth quarter. And, of course, you know, different people stepped up for the Celtics to make to make the Celtics win. And that's the kind of team they are. And the Warriors are still a great team. Just because they lost one game don't mean they're not going to win tonight and don't mean they're not going to win the series. So we should hold off. Celtics played really well last night. And that's the update, right? Well, the Celtics won on a great three-point barrage in the fourth period yesterday. That was the difference. They were down 12 points going into the fourth period. And they outscored the Warriors 40-16, to 16, which is insane to think that the Warriors could get outscored by 24 points at home in that spot. You know, basketball, more so Mac, 
in my opinion, at least in any other sport, you can ride a wave of momentum much more so. I mean, in baseball, a pitcher could shut down the team's momentum very quickly, very, very quickly. In football, it takes just one play to shut down the team's momentum, just one play sometimes, an interception, a touchdown pass. Same thing in hockey, a goalkeeper could stop a team's momentum. But in basketball, once a team gets rolling the way the Celtics did, hitting shot after shot, they they get in this thing called the zone where they just can't do anything wrong for a period of time. And that's what happened yesterday. And it happened at the end of the game, unfortunately, for the Warriors. And by the time the Celtics got their momentum going and kept it going in the fourth uh, period till the end of the game, they just you know, had all the momentum. The Warriors had none at the end. Game one goes to the Celtics. Warriors have to put it behind them. I expect them to win, the Warriors to win game two. But uh, great showing for the Celtics, though, at the way they closed the game out. Uh, Al Hofford uh, has a huge game, right? Nobody expects, everybody talks about, you know, Jalen Brown. And they talk about, uh, you know, the, the, the dynamic duo there. But they Jaylen don't talk. Three for seventeen yesterday. He yeah, had twenty-four days. points. But we don't we don't mention Al Hofford too much as a leading scorer, Jack. Right? He's a, he's he's normally the under underneath guy uh, that 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 you know gets the tough points. And but he was hitting threes yesterday and underneath. So and also grabbing rebounds. So Brown gets twenty-four. Tatum gets thirteen assists. Uh, Curry gets thirty-four points uh, and a loss. But Marcus Smart pitches in. He gets 18 points. Derek White. Evan White, 21 points off the bench. I mean, gave them a tremendous, unexpected boost. Yeah, and and they don't play again until Sunday. I don't get that, but okay. I mean, I don't know why they always. Well, 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 when do you expect them to play today, Mac? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Why can't they play tomorrow? Uh, They could play tomorrow, but you're talking about TV ratings. You want oh. the game. No, you want the game on Sunday. Who's going to take the ratings away on Saturday? No, 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 Mac. Saturday isn't as appealing for TV viewers uh, as is Sunday. Sunday's uh, a very appealing time because most people are in on Sundays. Stop More the madness. Go out on Saturdays. Stop That's the madness. The, the Super Bowl's always played on Sundays. I don't, I don't care. Saturday. I don't care. This is a series. This ain't they one game. Yet. This, is one, this is one game. And I'll tell you right now, I think the NFL does pretty good on Saturday nights, Jack. Yeah, but you're not going to see a Super Bowl played on a Saturday night. The NFL got it down. You perfect. don't think? You don't? You honestly don't think if the Super Bowl was held on Saturday, they would get they would get tons of viewers? Though. Yeah, well, of course we'll get a lot of viewers, but it wouldn't be the same way. Oh, okay. The Super Bowl starts at approximately six twenty p.m. Mm-hmm. You put it on the six twenty p.m. on Saturday. People are less likely to want to stay in, especially young people. They like going out on Saturday and to keep them home to watch the game or make them leave to go to a bar, you know, like at four or five o'clock isn't as appealing to them. It's just not as But on Sunday, people are used to being in Sunday evening. 
So they get, they order their food there, take out at four or five o'clock. They have their big bag of chips, a can of beer, a soda. Oh, I know what happened. They have those dumb Super Bowl oh, parties, which they, people who don't know a darn thing about football so, go so you're to trying to tell me. criticize the players. They so criticize the coach to be punted on fourth and I nine. I have no idea what. I have no idea what you're rambling about right now. I'll stick to the point. You're trying to tell me that the NFL would not get millions and millions and hundreds of millions of views on a Saturday at at eight o'clock at night or, or six o'clock at night. You're trying to tell me that, Jack. You're trying to tell me that they will that that their ratings would go because they can sleep in on Sunday. You're not going to worry about going to work. You don't think they're going to get those ratings? I think you're crazy. Well, I, I'm going to tell you, I mean, they, boxing, you know, the way they do it now, I hate the pay-per-view events. I'm trying to make a comparison. Okay. okay? Right. And right. it's a young, you know, it's a young people's world, Mac. Maybe I not do. so much with football. Football is still a lot of old time as a Thank problem. You. Thank you. On not that. only that, Jack, you not only that, do you, realize, do you realize that there's probably more older people today than there is younger people? But That's I'm going to tell you too. If, but a lot of them, a lot of them still work. You could still do it on a Sunday at six twenty. The game ends ten o'clock. They could go to sleep, then go to work the next day. Do you uh, know how many? Do you know how many young people take off from work the Monday after the Super Bowl, Mac? Yeah, so many know, of them. They go you know, to the. You know who does? You know who takes off the older people because the younger people are in, in, in mom's basement. To be honest with you, and the NHL. Uh, the Avalanche beat the Oilers four to nothing. So you got like four different, four With different players. Goalie in there, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah they finally had a goalie. I mean, what was the last score was eight to six. So anyway, they uh, they went four to nothing. Four different players from the Oilers, including the defenseman. I mean, from the Avalanche, uh, Josh Manson score. Uh, the goalie there. There was only twenty seven shots on goal. Score sometimes in hockey, Mac. You make yeah. it seem like this is hot off the presses. It defends. They do score from time to time. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. But I want to. I want to give the defenseman some credit instead of the forwards and centers. All yeah, but yeah, Bobby Orr. I mean, prolific uh, scorer. Why are we going back to Bobby Orr, Jack? Let's stay current for a minute. So anyway, goalie Pavel. I hope I'm pronouncing this. Francus saved 24 out of 24 shots. Now that's not a lot of shots. Sorry. So to me, not only did the goalie play well, but so did the Avalanche defense overall, right? Yeah, you know, sometimes I wonder is that a deceiving stat, Mac? We look at the amount of shots. Were there hard chances? You know, it's quantity, you know, sometimes against quality. I mean, what is harder for goalie? 15 tough shots to handle on goal or 35 so-so shots. You know, you have to sometimes see it. It could be a little deceiving at times. True. Yeah. true. That's very true. So let's let's do the MLB scores real quick before Byron comes in. Uh, that Yankee game yesterday, that second game was a classic. What did, what, did, what, did, what did you just say? The second dick game of the double-headed Yankees and Angels. You might not get to it, Mac. That's what I'm concerned oh, about. I will. I will. I just want to make sure everybody knows. Jack's Yankee fan card is voided for 2023. So he can say what he wants. 
But his his his. Uh, I got it. For, wait, I got it for this year still. You I mean it's voided for next year, twenty twenty three? When twenty twenty two? Oh, I forgot to put twenty twenty two and twenty twenty three in there. So I'll fix well, well, that. That's a two-year suspension. Yeah, it's for a two-year suspension. They would finish under 500 this year. Yes, yes. That's a, a two-year two suspension. That is a two-year suspension, Jack. So anyway. They don't even give that out for the worst cases in baseball for the most. I when know. Now I got a two-year one. You're putting me in Trevor Bowers' class? Yes, yes. In fact, you know how oh, I man. am, Jack. You know how I am. I mean, that's the way I, that's the way I run things. If I'm the owner or GM, so anyway, so we'll, we'll we'll make sure we put this right, so everybody that's watching right now can see, Yankee fan card is voided for 2022 and 2023. So that's uh, my co-host Jack. Well, wait, so you mean the only way I could get my card back is if the Yankees start losing, and then I'm vindicated by saying right. they weren't going to have a good year. I'm giving right. my Yankee card back yes. when my team is doing poorly. But when right. my team is doing well, I can't have my Yankee right. card. Right, because you said they were That's a heck of a deal. It is. It is. So just, just so everybody knows that. So in MLB, as you were saying, New York Yankees, doubleheader sweep of the Angels, 6-1 to one and 2-1. to one. Detroit beats Minnesota 3-2. to two. The Rays beat the Texans 3-1. to one. The Blue Jays beat uh, the White Sox 8-3. to The Reds 8, the Nationals 1. Nationals have been playing terribly lately. The Marlins, uh, the Marlins, the Marlins 3, San Francisco 0. Seattle 7, Baltimore 6, Milwaukee 5, the Padres 4. Uh, we've got Atlanta 13, Colorado 6, the Cubs 7, St. Louis 5, and the Dodgers squeak by a shutout of the Mets Two to nothing, Jack. So, as I said, the Nationals, I don't know. The Nationals are just playing awful. They've been playing awful this year. Nationals are awful, Mac. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that That's just, that's ridiculous. I mean, I don't you know. Think they, there was some talk that they might trade one Soto. No. Yeah. Uh, now they're claiming that GM Rizzo, no, Soto's not going to be traded. Soto's having a subpar year by his standards this year. But he's, you know, I don't want to say a superstar, superstar, but he's one of the most appealing players you could have on your team in baseball, yeah. one of the best. I mean, I, I don't I, care I think you're right. what his stats say to this moment. The problem is in a couple of years, he become, you know, he hits free agency and his agent is Scott Boris, meaning they're not going to sign him before then. But the Nationals have had a good relationship with Scott Boris beforehand where he's tried to work along with them but scott boris to me is too difficult to deal with if i'm a gm and owner i just don't deal with scott boris i try to avoid dealing with him best i can if 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 he's the agent of one of the players i look to trade that player for the best package available if i can't get a good package in return i hold on to the player if I'm contending, the way the Yankees are with Aaron Judge, Mac, the Yankees are contending. They have the potential, the way things are right now, to, you know, make a run at the World Series, the way things are right now. Right. But if the Yankees win the national spot, I wouldn't hold on to Aaron Judge if Scott Boris was his agent. I would absolutely trade him. Well, you're going to have to deal with him eventually if you're going to the sign second game, second game, I got to tell you something with the Yankees sweeping the Angels. 
I don't know whether you saw that movie for love of game where the pitcher Billy Chapel at the end of the seventh inning, he takes the mound for the eighth inning and the catcher comes out and he says, has anyone gotten on base yet? Cause he had a perfect game going. He didn't even realize it. That's happened to me yesterday. I got the Yankee game on. I'm sometimes switching the channel. I look at the NBA game back to the Yankee game and I'm doing things. And at the end of the seventh inning, I don't realize Michael K goes, uh, Jameson Talon has retired all 21 batters he's faced. It hits me. I'm, I'm watching the darn game. I don't realize the guy has a perfect game going because I'm doing other stuff and I'm checking on the NBA game and watching back and forth. So now I got the TV on. And the way he lost the perfect game, the ball was hit in the hole. Uh, Falafa, you know, just couldn't quite make a great play. Ironically, Falafa made a great play the inning before to keep the game intact. So then the Angels get a hit after they score a run. And, of course, Anthony Rizzo comes up big uh, with the two strikes, two outs, bases loaded, gets a single up the middle, yanks two. And then Clay Holmes comes and he walks a guy and hits two batters. Bases are loaded and they somehow get out of it. Yep, maybe yep. it is a magical year for the Yankees because they're winning games that maybe they shouldn't be winning. Well, you know, the, that happens a lot in all sports that you win games that you shouldn't be winning, uh, Jack. So uh, maybe you're right. Plus nine in a row. Remember, Mac, we said early in the year, is this year finally going to be different? And I said in the beginning of the year, I've given up on the Angels. They tease us all the time. Otani, Trout, you figure this is the year the Angels put it together. They've lost nine in a row. That's true. Like, uh, That's true. That's very get true. Byron on here. I don't want to. I'm going to bring, bring Byron up. We'll talk to Byron Williams about some NFL news, all kinds of good stuff. How are we doing today, Byron? I'm doing good. How you guys doing? Not too Byron bad at all. One trick sports guy. It's football, football, and football. You ask Byron his favorite. Sports in order, the top three. He goes football, football, and football. You're right this morning. You're absolutely right. No, we so might speak a little boxing in there. I like I love yeah, watching yeah. boxing. Football you players to... like boxing, they do. Yeah. No, yeah. Actually, I like I like boxing and golf. I like golf and basketball. Oh. Yeah. Max golf. Hates golf. Golf is, not a sport. golf is not a sport. I try to tell people it is a competition. There's a difference. When they start tackling the golfer when he's trying to make a punt or somebody tries to block his ball from going in a hole, I will call it a sport. Until then, it's just a competition. So uh, that's just what I think anyway. It's definitely a competition. No joke. Yes, I agree with that. I, it's, it's a great skill, too. I, I'm not taking nothing away from good golfers. I'm not. Great golfers, I'm not taking nothing away but to me, until somebody stops you from trying to do something, from scoring, it's not a sport. So, Byron, let's get to football, all right? All right. So, I, you know, I was I produced the J&B Talking uh, Shops show with Jim Jeffcoat and Byron on every Wednesday at 8 p.m. on uh, Roku and YouTube. And one of the players passed away, a very young man called Marion Barber, for people that don't know of him. I remember watching him play. Um, at 38 years old, uh, there's a lot of speculation of why he passed away, but there really is no official word on why he passed away. Um, right. But he was a, a great player for a short time, right? He could do everything. He was a hard runner. He could block. He could tackle. I mean, tackle. 
and he could catch the ball into the backfield. He'd probably tackle you too if he intercepted the ball. I don't. I he probably could play middle linebacker. That's how tough this guy was. Yeah, he, he kind of run. He kind of remind me of Derrick Henry for his running. Yeah, in, in a way, right? In a way, maybe Derrick Henry's a little bit better than him, but not yeah. by much. Not by much. So, I know you know his family. I know Jim, of course, being the cowboy, knows him, and mm-hmm. and and just and just tell the people that are viewing today that didn't see J and B a little bit about Marion Barber and 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 what kind of player and what kind of person he was. Right, he was definitely he was number twenty four. He's Marion Barber the third. His dad played in the NFL, um, and he you know he was he was a running back. So he he was born in nineteen eighty three. He was thirty eight. About to become thirty nine in about seven more days. And um, hard-nosed football uh, player, great running back, um, real quiet, kept to himself a lot. But, um, you know, the Cowboys came out and acknowledged him and his family, and I thought that was really nice. And, you know, um, he had some issues on the off the field, you know, a um, couple of incidents here. Um, but, you know, he's just one of those guys that didn't, 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 didn't have a lot of friends. So it's a lot of mental – they say a lot of – mental problems that he had but unfortunately you know we we try to let these players know that we have things in place to help to assist them and sometimes unfortunately some of these guys when they leave the game of football you know they 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 just leave the game so um but a great great talent great player uh great teammate um from my understanding so byron i was talking to this about jack right and, you know, we talk about, you know, mental illness. We talk, especially in football, we talk maybe possibly concussions. We talk about, you know, the, uh, you know, getting in trouble with the law because you run out of money and stuff like that. And you try to do right. things that are too smart. But, you know, we call this social media. I call it the anti-social media mm-hmm. where we really don't go and sit and talk to people anymore. We don't call them on the phone and actually talk to them. We text them, we message them, we tweet them. And, and to me, that's a lonely kind of life, man. I mean, you know, if you think about it, you know, you do a lot of work with kids in the camp. And I imagine that fulfills you unbelievably, right? You do a yeah. lot of benefits and you get to meet people and talk with them and, and shake their hands and pat them on the back. But you got a lot of players out there, especially uh, the young ones today and even the older ones that are coming into social media and trying to adapt. Where you know you, your friends ain't around anymore. You, you you know nobody's ringing a doorbell. Nobody's you know you're not going anywhere to meet it with anybody or have lunch with anybody anymore. It's all on computer. And right. do you think that has something to do with with players, uh, uh, the younger ones, and uh, uh, today where you know maybe the older ones still visit each other and talk to each other, but the younger players today really aren't, weren't brought up like that. They were brought up on them stupid phones. And, and, you know, and them dumb iPads where this is how they communicate. And I think that 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 creates a loneliness, Byron. Absolutely. And I, I agree with you uh, 100%. I think that they're missing something. And, for instance, if my my kids that text me, I said, man, just call me because I want to say a little bit more than what I want to text. And so it's more in-depth, more personable. And, you know, I think, too, is it, you're missing that that inner relationship, that that hands-on and you can get when, when we get in front of the kids and fact at the schools and we talk to the kids it's nothing like that you know eye contact handshakes things like that that we are so used to when we was growing up it makes a difference because it brings home bring back to you the the just the inner feeling of building a relationship 
I think a lot of these guys are missing relationship. That's why they can go in these closets and they 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 you know just just mess 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 their head up. But typically for me, I just like to be personable. It's something about being in front of a room and you're talking to these kids, and these kids leave, leave that with something like they are full with some much information, and they can apply that information to their life. So I think a lot of kids, a lot of young people are missing that that hands-on yeah. relationship, that communication, and getting and just having just having a communication is just so important. And I think that's what's missing, really. Byron, you know, for the athletes, it's so important to a lot of them being a part of a team because they've been part of a team from high school, college, professionally, and then it ends. And unless you're an iconic athlete, if you're an iconic athlete, you're always going to be in demand like a Tom Brady. A Tom Brady could walk into a shopping center years after he's retired and people are going to come up to him. So he's going to have that type of communication, that type of quick fix where he's always going to be good right. in that sense. But all of a sudden, you're not part of a team anymore. And you, in let, let's say an average play, you can relate to this in a mm-hmm. sense. Something is missing in the beginning. There's a, there's a void, a definite void. Some guys can fill the void in different ways, but it, it's hard. And it's not the same it's calling up your old teammates and meeting them for lunch or dinner because you're just not actively part of the group anymore. And it, it's a tough adjustment. And some guys never make the adjustment. And they, you know, and it's not and it's not a nice, you know, thing going forward for them. Absolutely. And, and one of the things that me and Jim talk about a lot is it was so special in the locker room. It's so special yeah. when you get guys from up north, east coast, west coast, and you from south or whatever, and you you go in that locker room, you sweat together, you you know you run together, and and and, and you try to win together, and then when those losses, you know those things build characters, build who you can become. But you know when you leave the game, you know if you isolate yourself, you miss a whole, you know that is thrown out of the window. So it's a it's a huge dynamic on how you know you can grow. But one of the things you do, you have to have a strong mindset. You have to keep keep believing and reading, keep, you know, keep trying to improve yourself, your skills. And that's a continuation of who you can become and still become a whole person. I think so many of us are missing out on being a whole person. And it and it it, it, it contains a lot of other things that's involved. It's you know, you who you're married to, or who you who you, you know, what your relationship, your you know, your guidance and, and the things that you try to do after you leave the game of football, because, you know, everybody need to, need to know this and know it for sure that it's a whole different story when you leave the game. It's a whole case scenario when you try to get out here and learn how to how to budget your budget and, you know, just it's a whole lot of other things, components that's built in. And I think, and that and that's why I was telling, you know, I tell a lot of people, I'm so happy that I kind of learned a little bit more with the NFL Players Association, the union part, because so many guys miss that part. So many guys have benefits and and things that they that they that they really work so hard for that they're missing out on. And so yeah. what I try to do and what we try to do is just educate them to let them know what's available to them and their families. Yeah, I mean and you guys do a great job too, uh, Byron down there, down there in the Southwest chapter. I mean he does he does a great job down there. Um, Byron, uh, you know what I saw? Just a quick note on the side, right? I'm watching, yeah. I'm watching the tube, right? And this physical therapist is offering virtual massages. 
Now, if that is not a an oxymoron, I mean, you know, you go there, you get the shoulder rub, your back rub, your legs rub, whatever, you know, your pin cushion, whatever they want to do. But this guy has you put on a, 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 a goggles and you're supposed to be getting a physical massage. It's ever going to end, Byron. And, I, you know, there's going to be about a million or two million people out there that are going to buy this thing or go with this thing. It's 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 just... It's amusing to me from where I am, Jack is, and you are too. We're all basically around the same age. I mean, Jack's got maybe 10 years or 20 years on both of us, but we're close, right? So, I mean, you know, we basically we basically are from the same generation, and I feel really bad uh, for this generation and these new athletes coming up. So let's talk a little bit about me and Jack also talked about. Okay. Uh, even earlier today, right? There are some great players mm-hmm. that aren't Hall of Famers that we forget about. Right. We, we don't talk about them anymore. And I, I think the NFL should do a better job with this. I mean, you know, we're going to talk about Tom Brady. We're going to, you know, uh, and we're going to do a special on him. or We're going to do a special on this guy who's a former Hall of Famer. He's a Hall of Famer and great. You know, people like... Dave Craig, right? Remember Dave Craig with the Seattle Seahawks, right? Right, this right. Guy yeah. un- unbelievable, right? I mean, he passed for like 38,000 yards. He was a pro bowler, uh, you know, and, and he had, you know, he had, uh, uh, his team was always in the thick of things. Maybe not always, but most of the time. Right. But if you talk to somebody today about him, they'd look at you sideways. What, who are you talking about? And, and, and <laughs> You know, people like Roman Gabriel and, and yeah. even Craig, oh, yeah. Craig Morton, who went to two Super Bowls. Wait, 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 wait. Let's start. I got to stop this. We're talking right. Hall of Fame. I was always under the impression the Hall of Fame should be for the immortals. Guys, yeah, I agree. Hall of I Fame who are just very good players. Craig Morton shouldn't even be on the ballot for the Hall I, of Fame. Well, I mean, did I say did I? Did I say Greg Morton belongs in Hall of Fame, Jack? Where did you get that? No, no, but you're making guys. You mentioned what I'm saying. What I'm saying. Okay, I can understand at least. What I'm saying. Greg Morton. I mean, he wouldn't even be. He might not even be starting over Daniel Jones this year. I talk about something, and Jack just (laughs) veers off into the wilderness somewhere, and I got to bring him back. I never said Greg Morton was a Hall of Famer. I never said right. Greg was a Hall of Famer. I never said Roman Gabriel was a Hall of Famer. But for a time, they were right. one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And you can't deny that. Greg Roman Morton, Gabriel let, was for time. Yeah, well, up there. Yeah. Who, yeah. Who, who brought the Denver Broncos to the Super Bowl, Jack? Well, Orange Crush. But Who's the quarterback? Not, yeah. But well, listen. What? Okay. But the Dallas beat him handily. He, you, he was the Cowboy quarterback before that, Craig Morton. He was a comp. Craig Morton was his era's Kirk Cousins. How about that? That's like saying Kirk Cousins in the Hall of Fame. Well, so I'm not talking to you right now anyway, Jack. So, Byron, what do you think? Do you think the NFL should do a better job telling stories about players that were very good for a time? Because to me, this this is really what makes football. I don't care about Tom Brady as much with his his, his 9, 10 Super Bowl, whatever he's going to have. We already know about that. Everybody right. knows about that. But they really don't know about Roman Gabriel too much. They don't know about, about Dave Craig. They don't know about Greg Morton, even though he was in two Super Bowls. And right. and, and and a very good quarterback. Just Roger Staubach was a little bit better. That's all. So so what do you think about that, Byron? 
I, I, I think they should do a better job in just bringing about the history of some of the great players that's not mentioned anymore and, and how these teams established and they got to where they are today. And I think it's, it's, it should be good for young people to understand and know that there are other players that played an intimate part of, nice. uh, of, 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 of this league because it is well established. You know, uh, people forget some of the, some of the forgotten heroes. And I think that's a, that's a great point. Really need to be maybe shown more on the NFL network. Uh, this Amazon's uh, deal is coming on, coming is coming about. And I think that'd be a good uh, vehicle just to educate people of past heroes that really like Danny White. You know, I played golf with Danny White a couple of years ago. You know, they don't talk about Danny White no more, but he did a great job being here in Dallas when he was quarterback here in Dallas. And, you know, uh, so I – Danny White, you're talking about as a punter, right, uh, Byron? Danny White, the punter, because I'm Danny White, the quarterback, would just be a backup in today's NFL. Come on. No doubt. No doubt. I'm not saying he would be – Listen, you want don't let him get away with that, Byron. We don't know. No, no. Do not let him get away with that. Taylor, those are the guys you talk oh, about. Yeah. Those super players. No, yeah, players. yeah. About those guys. That's Byron, what I'm saying, though. That's Byron, what I'm saying. Byron, don't let him get away with that. Danny White right. could start today's NFL. Nonsense yeah. at his best. He sure could. I watched Danny White play, and he was a very good quarterback for the Cowboys. Got him to the playoffs. Was a very good quarterback. So don't let him get away with that. Don't yeah, let him he can, Danny White can go down and, and be a starter for Houston and New Orleans. Our team, our team. Same age, he could compete. Yeah, he could yeah. compete with Jameis Winston for the job. Yeah, they would right. be competing. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. He, he, he was a pinpoint passer. I mean, I see, I see him throw the ball quite a bit. Yeah. So, but, but my point is, I think we 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 could do a better job. Uh, it needs to be a better job on some of the heroes that really played the game. And because yes. this game was pioneered on the back of a lot of guys who really made sacrifices. Yes. Well, Mac is not- right on that point. Mac is completely right. The NFL, and I didn't give it as much thought as Mac did, and this is thought-provoking what Mac is saying now. Now that I think of it based on Mac's comment, the NFL doesn't do a good job of elevating their players from the past the way baseball does. We hear about all these mm-hmm. great baseball players in the past, and it's especially the players before the Super Bowl era we hardly hear of. And even those who crossed over into the Super Bowl era, you know, outside of a, an icon like a Jimmy Brown, I mean, we just don't hear about the guys. Like I mentioned, the receivers. No one talks about Lance Orworth, yeah. Otis Taylor, Bob Hayes. I mean, phenomenal yeah. receivers. Don Maynard. Right. No one talks about these guys. I mean, yeah, I, listen, yeah. listen, that's what makes the NFL today. I mean, exactly. I mean, the Hall of Famers, yeah, fine. But what made the NFL is not those few Hall of Famers. It's these players that played for even a short time but made an unbelievable contribution and made the NFL competitive. One of those players is retiring, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan yeah, Fitzpatrick. Ryan was 17 years. Exactly. 17 yeah. years. Uh, he, play, he played – he started mainly for the Bills. Mm-hmm. But he, he went on and made – I mean, he lost some games too, no doubt, but he right. won some good games. In fact, one year for the Jets, I think it was 2015, the Jets were 10 and 10 and 5. Yeah. yeah. Good mean, career, it, guys. Ryan Fitzpatrick, 17 year career, good career. We could all agree he's definitely not a Hall of Fame. No, he shouldn't be on the ballot. But I'm going to tell you who just retired, 
who I think should be a Hall of Famer based on his longevity and body of work. No, Frank Gore. Yeah, Frank Gore. Yeah, Uh, officially. And I think his body of work, he's one of the all time, you know, leading rushers. He was never a great player, but he was always good year after year. He was good, so it adds up. Do you, you guys think he's a Hall of Fame? I think he is on body of work. He wasn't, but he wasn't a great player. So, what do you guys think? Yeah, he's third all time running back, so I think he will be a Hall of Famer. He yeah. might not be a first ballot Hall of Famer, but he definitely will be would be uh, uh, selected for the Hall of Fame. I think he gets in too. I definitely think yeah. he gets. Yeah, so, and then and uh, going back to Ryan Kirkpatrick, he thirty four thousand nine hundred ninety yards, two hundred twenty three touchdowns. I mean, he ain't going to probably be a Hall of Fame, but, you know, he, he was very good at what he did, his role playing, what he did for the teams that he played for, and his leadership and, and some of the, the exotic and, and amazing uh, interviews that he did. He brought excitement to the game. And yeah, I, I think agree. he holds the record for being traded a cut by the most teams in NFL history. Nine yeah. teams. Like nine teams. That's not a Hall of Fame. Nine, nine teams. Something like that. And you know, yes. and you know, if you think about it, right? This is a this is a seventh round draft pick out of Harvard, right? right. The lawyer, the lawyer, and, and doctor school, but yet tenacious out on the football field, not scared of nothing. I mean, this guy, this guy was not, uh, uh, you know, like Jack said, he's no Hall of Famer, but this yeah. is one of the guys that shouldn't be forgotten uh, years from now because what he did in certain situations, uh, you know. Played really good ball and kept some seasons alive. Uh, yeah. You know he, he's not going to be a Super Bowl quarterback, but listen, I mean, a great backup on the on the edge of being a starter, right? I mean, you know, the, the, the interesting thing, Mackie, I didn't realize he was a seventh round draft pick, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Obviously, he had a tremendously successful NFL career. But what makes a guy in college like a Tim Tebow, let me ask you, Byron, one of the greatest college players, arguably, of all time, mm-hmm. and he couldn't quite cut it as a quarterback. I know he had the one year where everything went perfect and they went on a little run. Right. But why, how can a guy be so great in college and just be a complete washout in the NFL? And he's a hard worker. He was a hard worker, Tebow, so it wasn't through lack of effort. Right, no, right, and I, I just think too the, the game in the NFL is is so wide. It's, it's it's a different type of game. Um, you you got different type of athletes, and you got to stick balls in certain certain uh, windows and things like that. And I, I just think maybe that 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 just got the better of him. It just he just couldn't make that transition over. And some guys can't can't do it. It just it's just proven in the past that some guys can't make the transition. They're superb college player, great athletes. You know, even he, he was a baseball player as well. So he just quite couldn't get it done. Uh, and then he had numbers of chances. He came back as a tight end. You know, a great – that just goes to show you how much talent he did have. So some guys just can't quite get it, make that transition. You know, I always believe, Byron, it's a smart man's game, right? you got to be football smart, especially right. a quarterback. You know, I think the half of the problem with Winstead is that he doesn't read defense as well. I know Tebow probably didn't read defense as well, not just his mechanics. Right. Because there are quarterbacks out there that that have not the greatest mechanics. But I think once you, if you can't read a defense and 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 kind of uh, uh, you know put the ball where it should be, as you said, but you do that by reading the defense beforehand. And as the play develops, you got to read quick, right? First, second, third, fourth is gone, or you're running with the ball. 
And I don't think Tebow could do that efficiently enough to be a starting quarterback. That's just my opinion. Yeah, you had to read on the move. I mean, it's, it's it's a lot of different dynamics that they had to make the the adjustments. So quite some guys just can't quite make the adjustments. No, I, I think so. I think so. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit about uh, <clears throat> a little bit about some preseason NFC East. Me and Jack kind of messed around with this yesterday. Okay, uh, Vegas odds on over and under. So if you went down to Vegas right now, Byron. Say you took – how many teams? There's four teams in the NFC East. You took $400 with you, right? You go down, you take $400 with you. And these are the odds that Vegas are giving you right now. I think one's a great bet. What is the Cowboys? The Cowboys are at 10.5 right now. Uh, over would be, of course, 11 wins or more. Under would be 10 wins or less. So you got a hundred dollars. You got the Cowboys right now. You're going to make a bet. What are you taking, man? They ran at ten games. I I I probably take them under. Okay. All right. There you go. You know Still what I think it is, Mac. And when you set something like the over and under, like the Cowboys ten and a half, you look at the potential. How much better can they do than ten and a half? And you say just barely. How much right. better? But how much worse can they do? They're more likely to do worse and go eight and nine than they are to go 13 and four, hypothetically, or something like that. Yeah. Right. So, so, so that's kind of crazy. Now, I got two reads on the Eagles. Okay. The Eagles and one said 10.5 over or under. And I saw one as low. Now, this was from a while back as 8.5. So, we're going to use a 10.5. We're going to use the newest one. So you have $100, you have the Eagles there, and you have to pick under 10 games or under or 11 games and over. Where are you going, Byron? They won nine games last year. So I, I, I would go, man, That's they they ran that 10 to 11 game. They, they ran right there. So I'm thinking that I, I'll go ahead and go over because I think they're going to win the NFC East. I really do. Okay. I got to tell you something, guys. Look at the records last year. I know the Eagles in the NFC, but even look at the AFC. The team with the best record, the Titans, were twelve and five. The Bills were only eleven and six. So if you look at all the records there, yeah. Yeah. you know it, they weren't that great. The Packers were thirteen and four. They, you know, they had the best record there. It right. just wasn't like off the charts records. You weren't getting these fourteen and three, fifteen and two records. Right. And, and, and I don't see it happening this year because of the way these teams have improved. I mean, it, every team have improved. And with the free agency and the draft choices, uh, it, it's going to be hard. If you win 12 games, you're going to be you're gonna be really doing well. I, I agree. So let me give you the, the Redskins and the Giants. Okay. The Redskins. They're both at 7.5. So let's start with the Redskins. If you, the if commandos, you, uh, the commandos, the commandos. Mac, you, don't get us. Listen, 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 I can call him. Listen, I know you. I know you're a big admirer, Daniel Snyder, who didn't want to change the name, but you don't have to do Daniel Snyder's work. Really? Really? I'm a great admirer of John Riggins and a great admirer of Leroy Brown and a great admirer of the Over the Hill Gang and George Allen. That's what I'm a real great admirer of. Um, so let's go to the commandos. 7.5. 7 are under, 8 or over. 
Yeah, eight or over. Seven or under, eight or oh, over. Oh, man. I, I, think, I think I go over. I go Plus over. Plus, Wentz is their QB. Because, of, because of their defense. I would go over because of their defense. Their right, defense so. took the year off last year, by I know, but, I, but they still got the, those players be, got to come in healthy. It might be a whole case scenario. All right. All right. By, it's Byron's money, Jack. Don't talk they about were good that. the year before their defense. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think they, they, they still gonna have a good defense. Yeah, so the New York Giants are the same as the Redskins. So if you had a hundred dollars, seven or under for the Giants, eight or over for the Giants, you gotta take your heart out of it, Byron. I know you got a big heart for big. But what, what about seven and a half? What does that get you, Ty? Seven and a half. That's no, you can't bet on seven and a half. You gotta go over or under, Jack. Uh, See, Jack is a foul. So anyway, you have to have seven wins or less to be under, eight wins or more to be over. So take your heart out of it, Byron. This is your money. You have a shot to hit all four teams. All three teams have come in for you. Here's the Giants, 7.5. Is it seven wins or less, eight wins or more? The Giants was four and third. They won four games last year. They should have won eight. So I'm going to go over. I'm I knew going, you were. Going, I'm going over. I'm going over because – what happened last year? They gave away three games. Yes, yes, they did. I mean, maybe four games, really. So they could have either won eight games last year. So I, I my heart, I got to get, I got to go over. I really did. I, I, you know what I would do? I made that mistake when I was in Vegas for real, Byron. The Jets, when I had Mark Sanchez, were playing the Patriots on a Sunday night game. I figured the Patriots were going to kick the Jets' rear end. Yeah. But I put a nice sum of money on my team, the Jets. How do you bet against your team? You know, the Patriots destroyed them that night. And if I bet with my head, I would have had the money. So instead, I went with my heart, and I lost. But I like I, I like the Giants. I like the way they, what they did in the offseason. I like the new management. Anything could happen, Byron. Anything could happen. If I was you at the table, I would take your money really quick from you on that last bet. So at least save <laughs> a little money, and then you get mad if you won. So some more little little bit of odds here because this enjoy, this includes Daniel Jones. The odds are out for the comeback player of the year. The best odds you got is three hundred to one with Derrick Henry. You know, I think that's unfair. Derrick Henry was hurt. I mean, yeah, come, come on. anyway, he's your best bet. Three hundred to one. Comeback when? player of the year is never really missing. He's just hurt, and he, he, you know. He's not really a comeback story. Listen, I, I just said that, but that's what Vegas You're right, is Mac. You're making sense. That's why I'm kind of like a little chill. You're making a lot of sense, Mac. I'm <laughs> surprised. So Winston is your second best. at 600 to 1 as the comeback player of the year. Deshaun Watson, comeback player of the year. I don't think that's a fair assessment either. He didn't play because of other reasons. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. he wasn't even injured. So, yeah. All right. All right. So, I mean. But the in hanging in fourth place is Danny Dimes at 800 to one. So Byron, Michael Thomas is 600 to one to, to, to even it up. So Byron, you're down in Vegas. You got a hundred dollars or you made some money off that first bet you made. Mm-hmm. And here's Daniel Jones at 800 to one. How much money are you going to put on Daniel Jones as a comeback player of the year? $200. Wow. You, let me let me say something. That those people, well, you need to say something. I just said it. I'm, no, I'm no, 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 Byron, Byron. This is his fourth year, and I think this is going to be the turnaround. 
you're saying comeback player of the year. He was never there in the first place to be a comeback player of the year. <laughs> Who sets up this award? It's ludicrous. Yeah, to begin with, the comeback. What's it coming back to? Well, <laughs> Great the whole time. He hasn't had a residence as far as a top quarterback. Let me tell you something. This is his fourth year. Watch what I tell you. He gonna have a he gonna have a great season. I'll, I'll just I just feel it in my bones. All right, all right, Byron. And it's not an award. It's the odds in Vegas. I don't understand some of these picks either, Jack. I'm going. Daniel I'm Jones. going to put two hundred dollars on Daniel Jones. Listen, Daniel Jones when he played. Uh, last year, the Giants had a winning record. When he got hurt, they had a losing record. So maybe that's what they're talking about. I don't know, Jack. But I kind of agree with you. Where I mean, how, what he's coming back well, to? Is- Michael Thomas intrigues me. Even though he's a yeah. top of the line receiver, he's been hurt the last couple of years. If you're hurt for a couple of years, and you know, people tend to write you off feeling you're maybe never going to be the same again. Then you're okay for comeback player of the year. Like you pointed out, Mac, Derrick Henry was having a good year till he got hurt at midseason or so. So that's like half the year. Then he returned at the end. You can't write Derrick Henry off. But Michael Thomas is kind of being written off. So that that makes sense to me, to Michael Thomas. I think, yeah, the, Winston, yeah. I think the Winston one does too. I wouldn't bet on it, but that I would think would be. What about Baker Mayfield, guys? Any odds on him? Well, he would be yeah, eligible yeah. perhaps for this. He needs well, to go to Houston. He needs to go to where he can play. I think I think he was like twenty three hundred to one or something, Jack. I gave you the top five, so that's the yeah. top five of of, of that. Uh, one other one other opinion uh, I want from you, Byron, before you go. Kyle Murray is back in the volunteer OTAs. Do you think this means that his contract is close, or that he just finally said, "I got to get out there and start working with these guys and maybe get the contract." I think his contract is being in conversation and they, they, they assured him that they're going to try to, you know, reward him, you know, like the rest of the top tier quarterback. So I'm thinking that that's why he's there. And uh, I think they're going to say, Hey, we got to get, we got to get some time and work in. And so he just showed up to OTAs. Byron, you know, it gets me and Mac and I think Mac will kind of agree with me on this. I get tired of these guys like Kyle and Murray. The team's got to realize they're the ones that's got the leverage. Kyle yeah. Murray is act, acting, not acting like a leader. I would sit Kyle Murray down and say, Kyla, if you're going to hold out and you're not going to put out 100%, well, you know, you'll be a backup here. And I'm, I'll tell them this too. And you think <laughs> another team's going to sign you to a big contract? Your value is just going to go down and down and down. They have all the leverage over him. Okay, they really do. What's he going to say? I'm going to play shortstop for the Oakland Athletics. You know, I mean, I would call his bluff on this. Either you do it the right way or not. I wouldn't give him a long-term deal if I'm Arizona. Not the way he's acting. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it was it was it, it was kind of bad the way it all started. But I, I guess these players and these teams are doing. Uh, they they having to do this. Players having to do this because. I guess they want to make sure that they get this guaranteed money in these contracts. I think that's that's the key. And the only, thing I, the only thing I can say, Byron, I think you'll agree with this, and Jack, I think you'll agree with this to a point too. While I agree that you know the Cardinals have the upper hand a little bit, mm-hmm. who are they going to get to replace Kyle Murray? That's yeah, the yeah. that's the only thing. I I don't that's see no replacement. 
that's the problem that a lot of teams have right now yeah. and uh, that, that are kind of almost forced into doing that. So we'll see yeah. what happens. Uh, Byron, thank you for coming in. We love having you on every Friday and give us our little NFL uh, update and your opinions and commentary on it. Uh, have a great weekend, Byron. Hey, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. See you, Byron. Okay. All right. So there you go. Byron Williams, our NFL analyst. We'll go do a quick timeout because we'll have Keith Angle on the other side of our timeout here with his look on a few different things. There's even Nick's news in there, which uh, I don't even know if Jack knows there's Nick news, but there is. There's I Val- didn't know. I mean, I, Keith doesn't like to talk about the Knicks. I called Nick. up, I contacted him during his show the other day, and I wanted to hear Nick's news, and he said angry at me about the Knicks news. Because he I wanted saw. to talk college football. Right, okay, right. well, he likes to talk college football in June. That's fine. I, okay. I'm, I'm not with college football in so June, man. We'll be right I, back. We'll be right back after these August. messages, folks. <laughs> oh, Lord. <clears throat> Where we at? It certainly is a big bun. It's a very big bun. Big fluffy bun. It's a very big fluffy bun. Where's the beef? Some hamburger places give you a lot less beef on a lot of bun. Where's the beef? At Wendy's, we serve a hamburger we modestly call a single. And Wendy's single has more beef than the Whopper or Big Mac. At Wendy's, you get more beef and less bun. Hey, where's the beef? I don't think there's anybody back there. You want something better. You're Wendy's kind of people. If you served honorably in our nation's armed forces and you're looking for a way to continue serving your fellow veterans in your community, then join AMVETS. Each year, AMVETS members volunteer millions of hours at VA healthcare facilities from coast to coast, helping to improve the lives of their fellow veterans through the VA Voluntary Services Program. AMVETS posts and departments also participate in a wide variety of community service projects, ranging from Americanism in our schools to supporting the Special Olympics and Boy Scouts of America. If you no longer wear the uniform today, you can still serve through the AMVETS by joining today at AMVETS.org. Presents Chester Cheetah. I'm Chester Cheetah. I'm just a cool dude in a loose mood. Until I see those Cheetos, then my cool turns to drool. My style and ease surrender to my urge for the snack that goes crunch. It's not easy seeing cheesy. Cheetos cheese flavored snack. Cheese that goes crunch. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma? This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family, and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you, too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Mm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. My baloney has a first name. It's O-S-C-A-R. My baloney has a second name.
Tim, tell you, Kyle's mother kids got caught drinking beer in the park a couple of nights ago. Really? Yeah. Zero tolerance. He's out for the season. Come on, it's the first offense, right? That we know of. But why should that matter? He knew not to drink. I've made it clear to Matt, that's what we expect from him. What have you said to Tim? Um, nothing really. You know, a lot of kids try it at this age, so... Yeah, well, a lot of kids don't try it, too. I'm not saying that Matt's going to be this perfect kid, but if I don't tell him what we expect and why he shouldn't drink, how's he going to know? You think kids that age really listen? <laughs> they never admit it, Bill, but they hear more than you think. Talk. They hear you. For more information about talking with kids about underage drinking, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning. You're listening to the Mac and Jack Sports Show on Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Mac and Jack Sports Show live Thursday through Sunday, 8 to 10 a.m. Of course, this is our Friday show. We have a lot of good guests. We talk about a lot of sports in different areas. Um, we're live on Roku, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter right now. We'll be on other uh, other platforms as the day goes on. Uh, backstage right now, we have Keith Angle from TGI Sports Talk. He kind of comes in and gives us uh, the NFL, I mean, the Yankees update, uh, a little bit about the Knicks, Patriots. So he comes and gives us a wide variety of, of things to cover. So let's welcome in this great broadcaster from TGI Sports, Keith A. How you doing today, Keith? Good morning, Good gentlemen. Morning. How's it going? It's going well. It's a beautiful Friday morning here, and I am just all kinds of excited. Re beautiful there? I think we got rain happening over here right next oh, to you. Oh, no, it's gorgeous. It's going to be sunny in the seven, uh, you know, mid-70s all weekend, just perfect weather. Okay. All right. So, so Keith, of course, we have you on uh, to talk about certain areas. Of course, you know a lot about all kinds of sports, from college to pros, uh, to, to to all that, to all the sports going around. Uh, I was on Keith's show um, on Wednesday, uh, Thursday on Roku, about the uh, new college draft that I will be proposing uh, to the NCAA. Jack made a quick uh, a, uh, appearance in the comments section and quickly took Keith away from the college football into basketball and hockey. So it was, it was, it was, uh, it was a great show. I got a little feel for your world there, Mac. Uh, try it live. Keith. Try it live. Jack's always welcome to come into my show and comment on the Knicks potentially winning the NCAA championship. Sure. Yes. Yes, definitely. So, so anyway, but that's a good question. I should have asked if the Knicks were allowed into the NCAA tournament, would they have actually won it? 
Uh, no. <laughs> Probably not. So I, I just want to remember, remind everybody, um, uh, he is a he follows the Yankees. He used to be a Yankee fan. <laughs> I used but to be. Right now, his Yankee card is voided for 2022 and 2023 after oh, his rotten comments made about the Yankees early in season. This is a Trevor Bauer type suspension you and right. I have been given, Keith, by like Commissioner Mack. Two years is a lifetime for me. Jeez. It is. It is. But I had to make sure that it's significant. So, you know, because <laughs> it could be it could be readjusted uh, at the end of the year. Maybe if you both uh, agree with me when the Yankees win the World Series that you both were wrong, that you feel humble, I might give you half a year next year. So no, Mac, see. Mac, well, we could call you bluff. At least I can. New York has another baseball team doing pretty well. If I'm forced right. to be a fan of them temporarily, the Yankees did That's move it. to Shea Stadium temporarily back in the That's 70s. True. So I could temporarily move my fans you, royally you over to the Mets for like you definitely, a year. I would, I, would, I would enjoy if you did, but the Mets fans would hate it because you always put the Mets down at every chance you get. So, Keith, let's get to the Yankees real quick, all right? <laughs> the Yankees won a doubleheader yesterday. Uh, yep. They won. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, they swept the Angels, which is – you can't say it's a scrub team. The Angels are a very good team. Uh, They've lost nine in a row, Mac. How good can they be? Well, we're talking about from a win-loss percentage, Jack. They're still yeah. – I think it's in second place right now. So, yeah, the Yankees added to their, to their woes. Uh, Lester, Nestor Cortez pitches a great game, goes seven innings, gives up one run as they won six to one. A bunch of Yankees hit home runs, four different Yankees hit home runs in that game. Tylon comes in, pitches, uh, had a seven, seven inning no hitter going. And, perfect uh, game. Yeah, hit a perfect game well. going. And, and uh, a hit up the middle, which uh, Kalefka couldn't, uh, couldn't handle. It wasn't an easy play. Uh, got through. Because he he did he did have a good game defensively and offensively really the two games so I'm not going to fault him for that maybe he it's made good a they great got him play out. the inning before so yeah. give him credit on maybe that. it's maybe it's good they got Thailand out and uh, I think we hit Trout just to send him a message like you're not going to come uh, we're not going to come in here and be intimidated by you Trout and Otani we kind of made we picked him off first it's just show him he's not going to steal on the Yankees either so you know Keith. What's your comments on uh, the Yankees pitching staff so far and uh, and their hitting? Well, it's funny. I had some comments this morning, and I've talked about it the last several weeks, that the Yankees are playing great baseball, playing better than I thought. They're better in a lot of places. The defensive catcher is much better. Trevino's getting some timely hits. Kiner Falafa's filled a, uh, uh, the gap at shortstop. All they want is a guy to make the plays you're supposed to make. And he's hit the ball fairly well. Uh, the pitching staff has been very, very good. I know we talked early in the year about Talion, and he needs to go deeper into games, but his last few outings have been just uh, spectacular. And the bullpen has been great. Now we got to overcome some injuries to LaGuizaga and Chapman, and Green's out for the year, obviously. Um, but this team is playing better baseball. My only concerns, and I said this again this morning, uh, I don't know if this team can survive Joey Gallo and Aaron Hicks playing two-thirds of the outfield for the, the remainder of this season. That Something's got to happen there. Okay, you make a great point. It's got to catch up to the team eventually, as is the catching position that's going by committee. 
Josh Donaldson maybe being a little long in the tooth. Anthony Rizzo, big hit yesterday. He had a good start, but then he cooled off. Will he get it together? I see too many holes there, potential holes, and that scares me. Well, Rizzo's average isn't great, but he's had some big hits. He's hitting good in big spots, unlike Gallo, who doesn't hit anywhere. I mean, I think the Yankees need to shore that up. And I'd like to see more Andohar in left field and and maybe go out and, and make a trade for uh, Ketel Marte or somebody like that will be available play center field. Because these two guys are not – they'll drag this team down eventually. You can – remember, the catcher in the shortstop spot, you're not going to get a ton of hitting out. You'll get some timely hits out of them. But and you could carry those spots, but you can't carry four spots in the lineup. Keith, Keith, but let me ask you this, Keith. Miguel Andujar played left field yesterday. Yeah. Uh, he's been playing some left field. Do you have any faith that maybe Miguel Andujar, who swings a pretty good yeah. bat, can he be the answer? I would like to see them give him some extended time in left field. He needs the time to improve defensively. And when you play him regularly, the guy's a doubles machine. Uh, and he's been he hasn't had a chance since he got hurt after his really great rookie year. And uh, I'd like to see him get another chance. I really would. Listen, you guys are making a lot out of nothing. Every team has holes. I don't care what team. It is. Every team has holes. The Padres have holes. The Giants have holes. Maybe the Dodgers don't. The Mets have some holes. All, every team has holes. Pitching wins. Games Black wins holes. These are holes. Black holes. And, and listen. Gallo is is what he is. Maybe we trade him. Maybe we don't. Maybe we get rid of him. Um, maybe maybe we maybe we don't uh, have the best catching in in the league, but we do have a good defensive catching staff. Um, they still got time to make some. This is a young kid Gonzalez is playing pretty well. They got a bench this year. I mean, I could I could severely outweigh the good things the Yankees have going than the bad. I don't disagree and, with that at all. I'm not disagreeing with that even a little bit. And Alan Perez asked, if the Phillies are bad, would you trade for Bryce Harper? I yeah. don't think Bryce Harper would come to the Yankees. No. I'm not sure whether he has a no trade. He signed a 13-year deal. Yeah. And that's heavy duty. Even though he signed it for a reasonable amount of money, averages, I think, a little over $25 million a year, which is reasonable for a player that caliber. But uh, – if the Yankees wanted him bad enough, they would have bid on him when he was a free agent. And if you're going to re-sign Aaron Judge, you're not going to pick up Harper's contract right now. Well, yeah, again, I, I, I wouldn't trade right. Harper anyway. I don't think I they would trade him. I they would. I, I think he'd be off the table. Yeah. For, first of all, he's got a no-trade clause for sure. And he, yeah. even if he agreed to a trade, the Yankees have to give a bunch of their kids, and I don't want to do that. Not sure. only that. Not only. Not only that, guys. I mean, listen. You, 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 you have some great players in the league. Would they trade for Bryce Harper, Harper if they could? Probably. Would they trade for my, uh, you know, Trout if they could? Probably. But, you know, we got some we got some pretty good players. Uh, but those teams wouldn't trade. Philly's I not going to trade Harper. I, I, I agree, Jack. I, I'm just saying, listen, yeah. you know, I mean, there's great players on every team. Uh, I mean, you're going to have that. So, But anyway, I, I again, I think the Yankees have the best team in the uh and the AL East this year, and they would definitely win the division. We'll see about the World Series going forward. Speaking of the Yankees and Cortez, I just read an article today, and in, in, in the uh, on on uh, whatever site it was I was looking up about Cortez. A lot of people call him Nasty Nestor, right? That's that's his really kind of his nickname because of the way he pitches. It's hard to hit him. He comes from different angles, quick pitches. 
different speeds. I mean, he, he's 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 quite a pitcher this year anyway. He got his he got his what it was his cutter, I think it was Keith that he worked yeah. on in the offseason that he has this year. That yeah. Pitch. And and that kind of that kind of made him a better pitcher. Um, Doc likes to call him Nifty Nestor. Of course, he he teaches young kids, so that's what he would say, Nifty Nestor. Uh, it's it's kind of cute. But this one uh, broadcaster for the Jim Twins, Tom. thank Jim you, who's one of the Hall best of Fame of Jim ever, 83, by the way. eighty-three years old, right? He's from a generation beyond us. Right? I mean, he's he's going back a couple generations. He uh. He, 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 he give him a nickname. You know, like they, they love giving nicknames that rhyme and stuff. So he, he gives a nickname, and it's brought up again today, right, in, in the papers, called Nestor the Molester. Now, I know in no way did this man mean it and the way you could take that. There's a bunch of ways to take things. Molest means bother. That is a definition of molest. That's what it is in English language. That's all it means. In Spanish, it's called molesta. That means bother. He no way meant it in the way that some people are talking about it. He also made a comment. I guess it was about a Cuban ball player uh, that he said he wished he had 40 people that look like him on the field. And, of course, he's not re- referencing slavery and the Cubans. He's talking about he would love a physically dynamic, good player like him on the field. And I think today – because of certain groups, and a lot of the minorities, right? A lot of the minority, it's a minority group. It's not a big major group. I don't mean minorities, don't, don't, don't come yelling at me. I don't mean different races. I mean a minority percentage of people yes. that for some reason, they go through all these things in the internet and the anti-social media, and they find these little things and they bring them back to the forefront. I don't know if they think this makes them popular. I don't know if it gets them more money. I don't know what it is. But there's no way this guy meant that. And I know Jack has a big problem with this, and so do I. There are things said in fun that I still say today, maybe not on the air, but I still say to my friends that would be considered off-color. Sure. And there are things I think we all say. And when you're commenting and you're excited or you're trying to make a point and you're 83 years old and you're used to talking a certain way, things slip out. So I guess I want your opinion. I know Jack's opinion because Jack hates it. Yeah. But what's your opinion on this? I'm on the same page as you guys. It's a lot about nothing. You talked about, you know, that phrase earlier. This is a lot about nothing. Jim Cott was a great major league baseball pitcher. He's been one of the best broadcasters for decades. Yankees got rid of him because he was too honest about the team. Um, I love Jim Cott. I love everything he does. He made it, you know, is it the best turn of phrase you could use? No, but again, he meant no ill will. The comment about the Cubans, I mean, he's talking about their look as a ball player. That's it. End of story. So to go on and on about these things, that's that, and to your point about the, the you know, anti-social media, there's people out there just looking for clickbait, right? Find a little uh, 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 snippet of something somebody said, put it up there with a negative comment and see how many clicks you can get. And that's what they're they're out doing. And to to to, to gang up on an 83-year-old Jim Cott who's meant, who knows more baseball or forgot more baseball than any of these other guys could even ever have known is ridiculous and they should leave Jim Cott alone. 
Well, maybe we should have maybe we should have condemned Bill Parcells because he sent Byron Williams because Byron Williams wasn't concentrating on catching passes. So he sent Byron Williams to what he called a concentration camp to concentrate oh. on catching the football, of course. Yeah. I, if you knew my background, I'm not offended by that in the slightest. But sometimes they're better terms to use, like in the case of Jim Cott. But it came out of Jim's Cott's mouth suddenly. Had he had a chance to sit down and think about it, he would have used another word. You know, you don't. It's the intent of the person, not the words that are said. And they know when they've made a mistake saying someone so forgive them and move on very quickly and don't dwell on it. And you're right, Mac, these people, they, they look on the internet all day. They try to find something from 30 years ago or whatever. And then they find one thing and they try to like condemn another individual. I'm sick of it. Oh, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. And, you know, I, I hope this is the last story I see about it this morning. So I agree with you, Mac there. So let's talk about a little Knicks. There are some re- there is some real Knicks news. They hired a new assistant coach, Rick Brunson, who played a couple seasons with the y- uh, Knicks as a guard. He's been five. Mac, you you deluded me. I thought they got we're getting Brunson from Dallas, the player. So they, they <laughs> that's had, they're getting Brunson. You so deluded me. Rick Brunson was uh, five seasons as an assistant under Thibodeau uh, with the Bulls and with Timberwolves. And of course, he is the father of the Mavs guard, Jalen Brunson. Ah. I I don't know whether I would imagine that had something to do with it, but he's worked with Thibodeau in the past yeah. uh, with young players, five seasons. Um, what do you think, Keith? Is this a move? I mean, it's a great timing move, right? Because, you know, Brunson's coming up on free agency. And why, why didn't he do this last year, a lot of people will say. I say that it's a great move for a young team, and it don't hurt that he's his daddy. No, I think it's, you know, again, people are going to read into it what they want. If they don't read the history between Thibodeau and Brunson, they're going to think it's just a way to try to lure uh, his son to New York. But And it doesn't hurt. But the guy is an accomplished NBA assistant coach, and, and I think he's a good addition to the team, whether Brunson comes here or not. Now, yeah, it's a great – and remember, you have to. Re- they needed to hire somebody. He had a good staff last year. He lost Kenny Payne to Louisville, so you know you had to do something there. And I don't think bringing Rick Brunson just on its own face value is a bad move. Now you got the added uh, luxury of the fact that you're chasing his son, uh, and I'm okay with that. But can yeah. you imagine you find out the Knicks didn't do their research that the son doesn't particularly care for his dad and doesn't want to come here based on that. The Knicks didn't research that. I don't know. I'm not saying that's the case. I doubt if that's the case. But could you imagine that? Yeah. Yeah, and I don't – again, even if you remove the fact that they want his son to come here, I still think it's a good hire. So Yeah, me too. too. I think so too. I mean, you know, he knows Thibodeau. They built uh, two good teams while they were there with the Bulls and Timberwolves. So – you know, it ain't going to hurt, that's for sure. Uh, a little quick odds for with you, Keith, before we let you go. I, mean, I asked Byron this, and we're going to go through the AFC East real quick. And this is the Vegas odds over or under what they can predict. Right now, you can go down to Vegas and put your money on this, right? What their winning percentages 
uh, will be. They're going to be over and over, over and under. So let's start with the Bills. Right now, they're at 11 and a half. If you go under, of course, it's 11 or less. If you go over, it'll be 12 or more. So the if you had $100 right now to bet and you were in Vegas, would the Bills be 11 or under or 12 and over? Well, 11 and a half is under, right? Right, yeah, uh, under. 11 games or they less. 11 and six last, yeah. 12 picking, games. Yeah, 11. I'll take under. Okay, so you would take under on that bet. Yeah. Bet. Um, the Pats, 8.5. So they're saying the Pats mm-hmm. are either eight. You would bet either eight or under or nine and over. You got 100 bucks. What do you bet? Uh, I'll take more than a hundred bucks, bucks and bet over. You homer. Okay, I just got to go nine and eight to win that. that yeah, even without being a fan. I mean, nine wins should be a, a no-brainer there. Wait, wait, wait. See, you wait, 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 Keith. See, you're hinting the Pats are going to win the division because if you're betting under with the Bills, that means you're giving them no more than eleven wins, and you're giving New England nine or more. So you feel it's going to be a neck and neck for the division. That's basically what you're saying. I I do think it'll be very close. Yes. Okay. Okay. The the Miami Dolphins eight point five also. It's a hard one. Eight or under, nine or over. I'll tell you what. I think this division is going to be really close. So I'm going to take the over because I think they'll be around nine wins as well, depending on the quarterback. You know, if the quarterback falls on his face, they could go under. But I'm going to, you know, standing here today, I'll say over. Josh Allen could get injured, right? I mean, you say right now, we're just saying. Yeah. Right. No, yeah. Right. So, no. so anyway, last team for you Jets, 5.5. I think Ooh. this is an easy bet. So That's five over. games and under or six games and over? Over. How about you, Joe? Over, yeah, over, yeah. I mean, I would, I uh, this, I would bet that one. That one, I would bet the rest. Of, I mean, a little, a little iffy. I'm, if you told me seven and a half, where, whether they can win eight games and go eight and nine, now I'm hesitating a little. But I see the Jets at about right at this moment, maybe about seven and ten on the season. Yeah, I think they could get some Yeah, at the current time, that's what I see. All right. Okay. All right, Keith. So. That's the, uh, I told you, I had some, actually had some Knicks news for you. Little AFC East. And, we little, got and just remember, folks, when you see Keith on the show and he's talking about the Yankees, just remember his Yankee card is voided for 2022 <laughs> and for 2023. So uh, that that just, it's, it's just the way it is. And I am in charge of that. So anyway, Keith, again, thank you for coming in. I love having Keith and our guests that are on Friday, every Friday. Uh, and in fact, a couple of them come back on Sunday. That is that good. Uh, so anyway, Keith, have a great Friday night. Uh, we'll see you on Sunday. And again, thank you for coming on T- TGI Sports Talk. Okay, have a great weekend, guys. Take care, right. Keith. Thanks. Bye. So there you go, folks. Keith Angle from TGI Sports, of course. Up next, after this quick break, we're going to have the Philly sports guy, Jamie Pagson. I will do the best I can to irritate him as much as I can before he leaves because uh, I love it when he gets a little rambunctious. I, he I doesn't go out on the limb anymore. He just rants and raves. He doesn't, he won't come up with any predictions. So don't oh, ask. Bags made an unbelievable prediction the, uh, last no, year. No, he about- didn't even answer my question on Sunday show. Even Jeff Coat backed me up when I gave him a choice 
of uh, either Girardi or Rivers has one has to get fired, the other has to be given That's a five-year extension. That's true. That no in between. True. He refused to answer. So that is true. He did. I he lost did, a little did. respect for his outgoingness well, after that. I, I, I have not. So after this quick break, we'll bring on Pags and and let him make a couple predictions because I got a couple I need him to make. So right after this, folks, we'll be right back. fermentation. Most brewers just ferment their beer once, but Schaefer is fermented twice. Once to make it beer, and twice to make it Schaefer. The one beer with flavor so fine, it keeps shining through glass after frosty glass. More than one fermentation is one reason, but of course there's more than one reason behind the one beer to have when you're having more than one. If you served honorably in our nation's armed forces and you're looking for a way to continue serving your fellow veterans in your community, then join AMVETS. Each year, AMVETS members volunteer millions of hours at VA healthcare facilities from coast to coast, helping to improve the lives of their fellow veterans through the VA Voluntary Services Program. AMVETS posts and departments also participate in a wide variety of community service projects, ranging from Americanism in our schools to supporting the Special Olympics and Boy Scouts of America. If you no longer wear the uniform today, you can still serve through the AMVETS by joining today at AMVETS.org. I heard you want to be a Frito Bandido like me. You do? Then you must sing the Bandido song. Let's sing together. You just follow the bouncing Fritos corn chips bag. Ay, 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 ay. I am the Frito Bandido. I like Fritos corn chips. I love them, I do. I want Fritos corn chips. I'll get them from you. Ay, 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 ay. Oh, I am the Frito Bandito. Give me Fritos corn chips and I'll be your friend. The Frito Bandito, you must not offend. Now, boys and girls, you are Frito Bandidos too. You sing the Frito Bandito song and you look for crunchy Fritos corn chips. That's nice. Munch, 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 munch Fritos corn chips. I mean, you can see right now, without LeBron, Lakers are, are struggling. Let me tell you about a team I hate, all right? I know the Dallas Cowboys fan is here, so I had to make sure he knew how much I hate this Oh, team. I'm ready. I've often said that the people who run baseball, they try very hard to ruin it. I'm from Brooklyn. I don't have a problem saying it to his face. Oh, Brooklyn. Hey, isn't he? Hometown Foundation is excited to bring back the Dream Ride Experience, August 26th to the 28th at Connecticut's Farmington Polo Club. Join us in celebrating the accomplishments of our Dream Riders 
while enjoying live music, a car and motorcycle show, family fun zone, pet adoptions, canine demonstrations, the fireman's chili cook-off, and much, much more. Get your tickets today. Welcome back to the Mac and Jack Sports Show. We're on Thursday through Sunday, 8 to 10 a.m., live on Roku, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, a bunch of other places that will be on later tonight. I'm your host, Mac, with your co-host, Jack Hirsch. And we just had Keith on. He gives us our Yankees and our and our uh, Knicks update. We had Byron on with the NFL. And now we bring on uh, one of my favorite uh, guests and one of my best friends, uh, the Philly sports guy, Jamie Pags himself, and we love having him on every Friday and Sunday. And let's see what Pags has got to say today. How you doing today, Pags? I'll let me bring you up and I'll ask you again. How are we doing today, Pags? Good morning, guys. How are you? Not too bad at all. I know you were backstage and you heard what Jack said. And I was kind of disappointed, too, about you to give an answer there. But, I mean... You know, those are those are your two teams, and I guess you picked the worst, the poison of both. I don't know. You, you, you do, do one, two, three, shoot or something. I don't know. So uh, do you want to, to to say an opinion on that now, Pags, and, and maybe straighten Jack out? Or are you going to still hold, hold for him? I, I don't want either one of those coaches. Right? Yeah, I don't yeah. want either one. Yeah. So if you're going to force me, if you're going to put a gun to my head, and say, okay, you have to choose one for five years, or the other, you know, and the other one gets fired. I guess I'm getting shot. <laughs> <laughs> so there's my there's my decision. That's his choice. Let, let off. You have to make the tough decisions, and it's a tough decision. Pax is sitting in his office, and the two of them are waiting on the outside to find out where they stand. He finally calls the two in. One of them, he lets go. The other, he slaps down a five-year contract with a healthy raise on top of it. But he oh has a choice one of the two. Uh, see, now, see, now you're adding stuff to this. Yeah, I, I wouldn't give either one of them a raise at <laughs> all if I was stuck with both. And I'm going to be stuck with both of them, it looks like, for at least another year. Yes, oh, yes. What what are they, what's the old actually, saying? That's not true. And they uh, actually Girardi, Girardi, they are not giving him his fourth year. Yes. Yes, I've heard so that. as of right now they are they are, they are not doing that. And I I mm-hmm. thought that there was going to be something done this you know yesterday. And there wasn't, which was a surprise to me. You I know- Wait, did the ahead, Phillies Pat. have an option on Girardi? Wait, wait, clear this yeah, up. Yeah, they I... have a fourth-year option. Oh, and they're not picking it up for now. As of least. right now, they are not picking it up. Okay. okay. So, I'm, I'm a little, you know, and, and not that I'm a, a Girardi fan, so-called. I think he's a decent manager. I think he did all right in a couple places he's managed. I don't think he's, you know, no uh, Casey Stengel or Joe Torre or, uh, you know, uh, uh, Tommy Lasorda. I don't think he's that in that level. I really don't. But you you got to play the people you got, right? The people that you got that's in your minors, the people they bring in. And the Phillies brought in a bunch of power this year. And you know, and I know, everybody knows baseball knows pitching wins games. 
And that's why the Yankees are doing so well this year. That's why some other teams are doing so well this year. It's hard to go out every every game and outslug teams when you're going against their aces or your second starters and try to win series. It's very tough. I mean, teams have done it and in, in, in the past, but not, maybe a handful. I mean, you go through the history of baseball, and there's hardly any teams that just had power and no pitching or below average pitching that have won World Series. So, I mean, do you really blame just Girardi on this? Doesn't the GM deserve some of this blame too? So, you know, I, I've had a little coming to God, I guess, if, if, if you will, about this whole situation. The month of May was a really difficult month. We played, we played the crux of our season against the tougher opponents this this past month. June and July are going to be a, a infinitely easier. I mean, we played uh, a, a ton of games against the Mets uh, while they're doing really well. The Dodgers, I, I mean, the teams that we've had in here have all been above 500 and have been in the top of the league. So, you know, when you, now we're going to be going up against easier opponents. And when you're doing that, I, I expect that they're going to be a lot better. You're going to see the bats start getting a little bit stronger. I think that we were going up against the tougher pitching in, you know, in the league. And now it's going to be, it's going to start to get a little softer. So I think it's possible that there is a turnaround for this team. And at the beginning, like in April, I was saying that this team was, you know, this team is going to win games 12 to 10 and, and yeah, like 10, eight. That's, that's the scores of the games that we're going to be seeing in the Phillies. I think that we're going to go back to that in June and July. You're going to start to see a lot more of that. I said that we needed to be at 500 by July 4th to really make a playoff run. I'm still sticking to that. I think that the season's not lost yet. I, believe that they're going to have to make some moves and they're going to have to bring up some of their pitching from AAA and AA. And uh, like, for instance, they got Ranger Suarez, who is starting pitching, but he's not really a starting pitcher. He's better in the bullpen. And I think that they need some of that strength in the bullpen. And I think that, yeah, again, our closer – you know, our so-called closer who has blown a couple of games and, and, and blown three saves and such like that. I don't think he's as bad as that. I think, again, he's going up against the Mets and going up against the Dodgers. And when you're going up against those teams, like the Giants, and when you're going up against those teams, it's, it's you know, they have the hitters that are going to be able to do that. And you're going to lose a couple of those games. Uh, I, I mean, I'm trying to keep optimistic. So, am, am I blaming Girardi for everything on this? No. Am I blaming Dombrowski because he was told that he has to win now with the roster that he's got? And so he doubled down on the hitting. And, ho you know, and we have our starting pitchers actually are, are good. It's our bullpen that's killing us. And I, I think that if we were to tweak a couple of things that we could get some more help in our bullpen 
And, and unfortunately, he just can't trust the guys that he has in the bullpen. And it doesn't matter who he goes to because they all stink. Right. So, so you're going to answer my next question. Is it time to panic yet? Or when do you start panicking as a, as a Philly fan? You're going to wait till July before maybe you start selling pieces. Do you go get some pieces to try to make that run? I mean, you're right at you're right now. You're right now at that line, Pax, right? So I mean, it's June, July's coming. So when is a Philly? If you're a GM, when do you start saying, "Well, listen, we're not gonna we're not gonna win this division. We're not gonna have a wild card team this year. We got to start unloading some of these players and maybe get some younger players." The moment that we're not going to hit 500 by July 4th. Okay. That's yeah. that's at least that's my line in the sand. I said that July 4th was the line where, you know, and I, I've said that all along, that we needed to be 500 by July 4th so that we would be able to go on a playoff run to get in a wild card spot. I feel that some of the teams that are in the wild card position right now are going to trail off. I feel that the Mets have really, they've played really well lately, you know, and it, it, that's going to be really difficult to sustain. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I know that their their two aces are still not here, you know, in the Mets. And when they come back, they're going to be rusty. You know, they're not going to come back, you know, at, at full throttle. They're going to need to get warmed up some and such like that. So I don't expect that they're going to come back and all of a sudden they're going to, you know, be the best things in the world. Because, of course, they haven't even pitched at all. You know, I mean, and when you're out for three months, Oh, it's going to be hard to just come back and just start throwing strike, 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 strike the way that they have. So uh, I, I feel that the Mets are going to come back to earth a little bit. Yeah, it, the the games that they're winning now, I'm talking about the Mets, I, I feel are going to really help them keep the lead later. You know, so I don't know that anybody's yes. going to be able to really yes. use them. Max, they're up 12.5, 12 and a half games on you right now. That's that's what I'm saying. I don't I don't think anybody's gonna catch it. The Grom is the Grom says he's ready to come back and he's ready to go. His, his his shoulders better. Um and they're gonna do rehab and rehab, they're gonna stretch them arms out again. I mean, I don't know how rusty they're gonna be, man. When you're talking two of the greatest pitchers in the history of baseball. It can be rusty for a couple of games. Who cares? It's not gonna yeah. last. And, that, and that's what I'm saying. I, I, yeah. I still don't believe I, I, I don't believe that even with them coming back. The Mets are going to come down to earth. You know that they're, they're hitting. They're hitting pretty well right now. They're playing great baseball. I I, I can't argue that. You know, yeah. and I saw it firsthand in New York. Yeah. You know, so uh, I mean, these the games. Like I said, the games that they are winning now are going to help them keep the lead later. Oh no doubt. So no. I, I don't expect. I do not expect that anybody's going to be able to catch them unless they really start to trail off. Yeah, they would which is also possible because they are the Mets. Well, they like to mess it up a lot. We'll see. We'll see. So let's let's talk a little bit about the uh, – I, I talked to Keith. I think you heard part of it. There are odds at Vegas right now you can bet. And I went over the AFC East with him. Uh, what the over, under, and what Vegas is predicting. I'm going to go through the NFC East with you right now and tell me if you had $100 right now for each of these teams, who would you pick – where would you pick, under or over right now Dallas is at uh, ten point five uh, for for their over under, so that means of course they'd have to win eleven games or more, 
or they would have to win 10 or less. If you had hundred dollars, where are you going with your money? Under. Wow. I got them. I got them at nine and eight this year. Wow. Okay. All right. The, the, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles are also at 10 and five. And uh, again, to, uh, to win this uh, bet, you would have to be 10 or under or 11 and over. Yeah, I, I at, at 10 and a half, that's, that's a really high number. Uh, I, I, I got them. I'm going to take them at the over. I, I have them at 11 wins. I, you know, they may have a 12th win. If everything really goes their way and, and the team is, is really going strong, they could pull 13. But I think that that's really, that's really optimistic. Yeah. I, I have them at 11 and 6. That's, 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 that, that would win the division, that's for sure, if, if, if this comes true. The Redskins, as I call them, because I'm paying tribute to George Allen in the Overhill game today, um, the Commandos are at 7.5. So seven games and under would be one bet. Eight games and over would be your other bet. If you had $100, which way are you going next? Uh, so, uh, again, uh, that's that's a really – they're dead on with that number. Uh, I, I think that – does a tie count as the half a game? You know, because that's, that's where that really falls into play. Uh, I actually have them going eight and nine this year. So, mm-hmm. I guess I would shade over. Okay. And a tie does not count. The win total is the win total. So, yeah, so the Giants, same thing, seven and a half points, uh, seven and a half wins under seven and under eight or over. Yeah, Vegas has really got these numbers dead on, I think. Uh, I actually have that, sh- I'm shading under with that. I have them at seven wins. I All think right. that the NFC East is going to be better in general. Like, I don't think, I think the Giants are going to improve three games. I don't think you're going to improve four. Mm-hmm. I think that. I think that the, you know, commanders are, you know, they are what they are. I don't think that, you know, Carson Wentz is going to make that that much of a difference because it's the defense that's still got to win some of these games here. Uh, and that, you know, they have McLaurin and that's it. They, I don't really trust any of their other uh, wide receivers. Their running back is okay. Uh Dallas is going to be the interesting one. I think Dallas took a step backwards. Uh, if they can pull out a couple of games, and they got a really tough schedule in comparison to the rest of the NFC East. So I think that they're going to wind up losing some of those games, especially the beginning of their season. Uh, it's possible that Dallas could go like two and five in the first and then actually come on a little bit of a strong streak to end the season. Yeah, but you know, I I still don't know. I don't know that nine wins gets in the playoffs this year in the NFC. Well, you know, of course, anything could happen—an injury to a quarterback. What I mean, anything could happen. We're just saying that's what the spend. I'm I agree with you. Vegas is on point with all these all these numbers they're giving you right now. So the offensive the offensive line of the Eagles and the power rankings and Pro Football Focus is rated number one in the league for this year. This is what they're saying. This is going to be the number one offensive line in the league. Second, which these are interesting to me, and I don't disagree necessarily with that prediction. They have Cleveland at number two. Cleveland does have a good running game. 
they do have a good offensive line. That's possible. But then at three, they have Detroit. At four, they have Tampa Bay and then Green Bay. There's no mention of the Titans, who have one of the best running games in the league when they're going. The 49ers, who have one of the best running games in the league when they get going. I agree with the Eagles and maybe Cleveland, but I don't know if I agree with Detroit at number three, Pat. I'm trying to think of who's on their line. I know that they have they have uh, Halavalua Vitae, you know what I mean, and and he was an Eagle, and I know that he's a really good player, but that's all I really know on their line. So I can't really speak intelligently about the offensive line on yeah. their offensive line. Penny um, Sewell, who they drafted out of Oregon a year ago. They didn't, take, they didn't take Jamar Chase. They bypassed. Well, they didn't have a chance. The Bengals took Jamar Chase. Uh, we thought they were going to take Penny Sewell to protect Joe Burrow when they were receiving instead, and it paid off for the Bengals, actually. Right. So, I mean, uh, ultimately, I, I, I can't say that they're wrong. I, I just don't know. I don't know how right they are. You know, it's just like I said, I, I only know Vitae is there, and Vitae was a great tackle here and when they had to make a decision it was a tough decision because i mean when he would go in there and he like the more he plays the better he got and the harder part was is that he was only playing sporadically because he couldn't get in on the line uh them the, them saying that the eagles are the number one line no doubt in my mind there's absolutely no doubt in my mind we have seven offensive linemen like we have two guys that like Sayamalu, I always thought was the weakest link on this line, and now he's going to be a fill-in. You know, Guys, what a... I find in the NFL, they're constantly redoing the offensive lines. Just yeah. about every team, it's hard to keep up with. It's constant turnovers. Like the Kansas City Chiefs win the Super Bowl with one offensive line one year, the next year they lose the Super Bowl, so they redo the offensive line. I mean, it it happens just about all the time. Well, yes, I but I feel that the that's probably why the Eagles have the number one offensive line is because in terms of the longevity of this line, you know, they actually that's Landon Dickerson coming along. They who they drafted a year ago from Alabama. He'd had there was some injury concerns and they got him. He made it all season long, no injury, you know, and that's he played more games in a in a year than he ever has before. No injuries. I, I feel that because he's not anchoring the line, and he was moved in a lot of different positions in Alabama. So he yeah. was he was sometimes the center, sometimes the guard, yeah. sometimes the tackle, sometimes like he, he would actually be in the tight end position. Uh, that that's that's a wear and tear on your body that sometimes you're not really used to. That you know that you gotta make sure because the footwork is always different in each position. So when you're center, you gotta make sure that you at least get the ball out. When you're a guard, your first step is a little different than when you're a tackle. So there's sometimes you get a little confused. I mean, and I gotta imagine that little bit of confusion when you got somebody bull rushing you uh, will make a big, big difference. So right. this year he got to play guard, you know, and he got to you know be right next to Lane Johnson, you know, the, the entire season. And, and I think that that helped him, 
you know. Hey, so this, this is Pags. Pags, you're right. Even going from the left to side uh, to the right side, it's a different first step. And the guards are trying to get to the linebackers, where the tackles are trying to handle the big ends, and and you know, it, it's it's to- this different positions. And who knows? Maybe that helped him out a little bit too. He knows what the tackles are doing. He knows what the centers are doing. His football IQ on the line is probably pretty good. You would think if he played all his positions, right? So that guard, that guard is a little bit more about quickness and a little bit about more double teaming and getting to the second line and and you know picking up blitzes that are coming up the middle. So you know, uh, listen, I don't disagree with the Eagles maybe having. I'm not. I'm not going to say they have the best, but they're they sure are up there. And they proved that last year with their running game. Let's just see what happens with the passing game too. And and listen, you guys, you guys, you guys are set for bear. You're ready for bear this year. Uh, the only thing I can see that stopped you this year is some kind of major injuries uh, that would slow you down a little bit. But uh, you know, everything works out. I think you guys win the division too. And speaking of uh, the NFL, real quick, I don't know if they've done this with MLB yet, but they have dropped their COVID requirements. So the players do not have to test anymore. They don't have to do any of that stuff. I imagine the fans won't have to, you know, worry about tests anymore. Uh, big move by the NFL. I think they're coming under the knowledge that COVID is just going to be with us. I mean, that's going to be a, a flu that's going to be with us all the time. And we got to start dealing with it like that. But, hey, it's a big thing for the NFL, Pax. I'm happy about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I don't even have much more to say about it. I'm just yeah. happy about it, and yay. Do you think the MLB? <laughs> do you think the MLB follows suit? You're going to be at the, uh, you know, the batting practice today. I think at 4:30, if I'm not mistaken, the Phillies batting practice, uh, and you're allowed in there where most people are not. Well, the, almost nobody's allowed in there yeah. but because of your connections. You get in Until there. Joe Girardi finds out Pax wants him out, then Pax will be removed from the batting <laughs> But I told you I had a coming to God about this. So yes. if we're going to be stuck with him, you know, I, I mean, I root for the uniform, not necessarily the players all the time. Me too. So Me too. if he's going to be here, uh, I, I need him to win. You know, and that's that's that. You know what I mean? I, I wish I, I, you know, there's sometimes I'd like to – but it's hard to think about who they're going to have to replace them, and that's the hard part here. Yeah. When you think about who's out there to fill in, like you know, I keep, I keep since we spoke to that guy, I, I've been pushing Pete and Cavillia's name, you know. But I think I'm the only one ever mentioning Pete and Cavillia's name. Right. We had Mac when you had Eric Bellier from the minor leagues uh, over right. there, Pete and Cavillia. Yeah, was the manager, the team that he broadcasts for former Philly. The only thing is, with it's hard to make an in-season move if someone hasn't been around the personnel. Oh, and the easiest thing would be let Girardi finish out the year. And it could go two ways. If the Phillies bounce back and make the playoffs, no need to switch. You know, let Girardi continue. If they don't, that would be three years in a row they didn't make the playoffs. So you could certainly justify, you know, moving on from him at that point. Well, right. well I mean, I mean, there are, to be there are some, to... yeah, yeah, there, and there are some good bench coaches. There are some good bench coaches. I don't know why I have official timeout up there. That's just crazy. Uh, there are some bench coaches out there uh, on successful teams uh, that could be, you know, that could be uh, nom- nominated or be considered part of the candidates uh, for the Phillies. But 
you know, I, I agree with you both. I mean, you would have to have an interim manager. It would have to be somebody from the Phillies to move up and to take over the Phillies if Girardi was gone. Because, you know, as you said, to get them away from another team is not the uh, easiest thing to do. But, but, but you know, you look, hey, you, look, you look at a lot. There are a lot of good bench coaches and hitting coaches that have been in there, third base coaches that have been in the league a while on successful teams. Uh, there are minor league coaches that have stepped up, as you guys mentioned. So, I mean, I think I think there's nobody off the top of your head you can think of. But I think if you looked, if you had the resources to look around the league, I think you could find some qualified individuals. Yeah, and when I think about this, the only person that I think could fall into an interim manager in the right way you know, there's, there's two people that come to mind directly. I think one is just really too old to go on that type of grind. The other one is getting up there, but I think would have the uh, enough fire to be able to do it is Larry Boa. Yep. He's been around the players enough. He's got the fire that I kind of want in a manager. There, there's been a couple of things that I have, you know, I'm just really unhappy about how Girardi has been dealing with, you know, everything, you know, he's just, he's just too laissez-faire for me. You know what I mean? I, I need him to be more, just, just get kicked out of a game, show that you care, you know, show the team that you've got some fire for this game. He, as a player, he was a lot more energetic. Now, and I know as a manager, that's not really his M.O., but I, I would much rather see a little bit, just a little bit, you know, and, and that doesn't mean that doesn't mean don't get don't get kicked out of a game for dumb reasons. But, you know, like that that whole situation with with Angel Hernandez, when the, when the strike zone is so ridiculously bad. And then I watched it. You know, it was funny because I watched that one uh, Braves manager who, you know, had his like hour long rant when he got kicked out of the game where he was talking about how the strike zone was ridiculous and he's you know throwing the the rosin bag as a bomb you know to you know you know to home plate and that whole thing i don't need him to go that ridiculous but i do need him to show some fire so that maybe he can rile up the team some you, you know, know I, I, you know something else pags right i mean listen I mean, he's got to be frustrated. The Phillies players have got to be frustrated. There's got to be a way for a manager to insert some kind of fun back in the game because it's a game. And, you know, winning and losing is means does mean everything. But you're not going you're, you're to get docked pay because you lose the game. That's not part of your contract. You're still going to get paid. I think a lot of successful teams out there have fun. You know, they enjoy playing together. They enjoy the game still. And if you look around the league, the teams that seem to, of course, winning makes it a lot funner, but you've got to turn that corner. You've got to go out there and play the game as a, as a kid. That's what it is, a kid's game that you're playing for, for entertainment and to make a lot of money. But don't forget it's a game. Let's go out there and have some fun. And I and when I watch the Phillies games, the players don't look like they're having fun at all, Pat. Well, you know what, and that's that was that may be the silver lining on Gene Segura getting hurt. You know, Nick Maton comes up, you know, is he, he's been up here last year, but he, he's been down in the minors this year. He comes up here, he hits a home run, 
he does something that hasn't been done in a Phillies uniform, and I it must be almost like a decade, and gets the tying run in on a suicide squeeze. I mean, the last person they had trying to bunt wound up being he's, – he's got surgery on his finger now. Gene Segura, the best hitter on the team right now, they tried to make him bunt, and he winds up getting hit in the finger. He's out for 12 weeks. you know. And then they bring Nick Maton up here who, you know, like I said, it's his first game, hits a home run, and he does a suicide squeeze bunt. I haven't seen a suicide squeeze bunt in a Phillies uniform, and, and it has to have been uh, anywhere at least five years. In at least yes. five years. Yeah. And th- it's those types of plays that sparks a little bit of energy. And maybe, just maybe, they need to start calling in some of these AAA and AA players who have not been here before, who's going to have their cup of coffee, and maybe they're going to have a Danish too. You know what I mean? And that's and it's that type of excitement that may spark the, the older guys that say, you know what, you know, this this isn't over. This season isn't over. Uh, you know, as I as I'm really careful as I say that because every time I seem to say that, they, they seem to not do very well. But, uh, um, I but you never know. I feel like that this is this is this could be a turning point. I, I keep looking for the spark that's going to make things a little different, uh, and I'm hoping that it, it, it's coming and. Who knows? It might start today. The What's Angels are not doing really well. D.D. Gregorius. I just went back for assignment now. He's uh, he's starting to get back in, you know, in game shape. Okay. So I know that he was hurt for a little while. I know that he got uh, he's down in AAA, just getting started. And He'll uh, help I, when I, he comes back. Camargo uh, is so, you know, so frustrating to watch. You know, it's yeah. – and. Yeah, I, I, you know, as funny, Camargo is what, to the Phillies this year, what Torres was last year. And to be honest, I like Torres. Torres Torres, uh, came up with timely hits. He had more energy. Uh, Camargo, you know, Girardi likes those utility guys, those utility players. And Torres was a much better utility player than Camargo was, as as I'm frustrated to say it because – Every time I see Camargo go up to bat, I feel like anytime it's a, a bat that's meaningful, he does not do well. You know, well, and, Pags, and Pags, you're going to be there today at 4:30. You tell him, Mac and Jack said, go out there and start having some fun, enjoying playing the game, enjoy being together. You know, have 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 a little fun, win or lose, have a little fun. You look at the Orioles right now, right? They're not the best team in baseball. They're playing some decent ball. They're challenging people. They're winning some games. But guess what? I look at that young team, and, man, they're just having a ball right now. And if they keep the same team, last place, Mac, too. Yeah, but still, I, that, that happens. It, it, that happens. Yeah. That's the Baltimore Orioles. But who knows? In two years. If they, they are playing them, a little better than anticipated. If, if, they, if they continue to keep the play, if they can keep the players, they continue to get better and keep having fun, it's not so bad, man, you know? So when you're there at bad practice, you said, Matt, tell them Mac and Jackson, go out there and start having some fun. Maybe you'll start winning some games. Right? So I get batting practice today and tomorrow. Today, my first goal is to get an Eagles chant with Mike Trout. Well, that would be fun. <laughs> that would be fun. <laughs> That's my goal today. I'm gonna watch, I'm gonna watch batting practice. I'd love to it's my first time seeing Otani uh, up close and personal. So I, I I'm gonna really take focus on that. 
but uh, I won an Eagles chant with Mike Trout. There you go. And guess what? We already hit Trout last game, so if you guys want to throw at him again, I didn't say that, just to let him know, you know, he's not as good as he thinks he is. Bags, have a great yes, weekend. Oh, he is. <laughs> Bags, have, have a, we'll see you on Sunday. Have a great day, and thanks for stopping in. All right, thanks, guys. Have a good one. All Take right. care. So there you go, folks, the Philly sports guy. Love having him in. Uh, love having talking to him and stuff. Jack, we're at the end of the show. We'll be back tomorrow, folks, with our Saturday debate show where Dr. Paul Semendinger will join us on some of the hottest topics in sports. So join us tomorrow, same time, 8 to 10 a.m. Again, thank you for coming in. Thanks for the views. Thanks for the comments. Have a great one. Oh, that's it.